You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn, 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com. With the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Start it up. It's a busy Tuesday. Lots to get to coming up in our coaches' corner. We'll uh, let you know what Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, said yesterday about name, image, and likeness, and uh, specifically targeting the new bill here in the state of Texas that he is clearly not a fan of. And kind of like many SEC coaches advocating uh, the Hail Mary for the federal government to get involved to provide some uniformity across the country instead of in-state and state-by-state regulation of name, image, and likeness. Greg Sankey seemingly very much on board with that Um, big picture. So we'll let you know what he had to say yesterday in Nashville. Also, get to our website, hornfm.com. you got to make your picks for our final golf major of the year, our fantasy golf contest brought to you by Callahan's General Store. Uh, Make your picks. They're playing at uh, Royal Liverpool. Uh, they'll tee it off, remember, early morning hours, overnight Wednesday into Thursday is when they'll tee off. So you got to get those things picks in before you go to bed on uh, on, you know, on Wednesday. Make those picks. Who are you going to take? Roy, Roy McElroy won the event last time it was there in 2014. Who are you feeling, Bucky? Who's, who's your bones tell you, my friend? I'm thinking the old man that, that won there last time. Rory? Not Rory, the, the older dude, our big guy. Um no, the last time they played there was 14, and Rory won. He did. Um, the time before that was 06, and Tiger Woods won. Uh, not but, at that particular golf course, but the the Open itself. Shane Lowry a couple ooh, years ago. The other big Irishman. Yeah. Yeah. So they played. So they played there in 06, and Tiger won at 18 under. They played there in 14, and Rory won at 17 under. And then, gosh, before that, the last time they had played at Royal at Hoylake was 1967, and Robert Roberto DiVincenzo won it. Um, before I was born, and you were just a teenager, or just just a kid. So, uh, Tiger and Rory of uh, recent vintage. Cam the last Young two. won the, U- the 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 Open last yes, year. Yes, he right? did. Indeed, on his way to live. Or he's and he has. Or not Cam Smith. Cam Young. Cam was, Smith. Cam but Smith Cam Young was, was in it. But he was in. But he. And so was the Rory. But Cam Smith did. Win, that's right. He did. He Cam Smith, put yeah. on a putting display. Display. All timer. Yeah, boy, Cam Young has struggled this year. Well, he's playing the old Cam Young. Yeah, he yeah. really has struggled. You know, I well, thought he was going to be the next big thing. Still might. Got a great game. Um, but, yes, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those. You know, Tiger Woods warped it for everybody. I mean, it's oh, kind of the he, natural. When he, when he just started hitting just Yeah, he won every irons. And he just kept winning over and over and over again. I'm just yeah. the consistency of um, what did I see the other day when Rory won the event at Scotland. You know, if you go back, you know, Tiger Woods' record in round in tournaments in which he led after three rounds was like ninety four percent of the time he won the event, 
when he had the the the, the three three round lead, which ninety three or ninety four percent of his heyday. Well, Roy McIlroy is second on that list. When he leads after the first three rounds, he closes out about half of them, about fifty five percent, and everyone else follows him. But but Tiger just so skewed the history of the game. <laughs> like he just he was. Way Remember, fun. he only pulled out the driver the one year at the at the Open. That might have been Hoylake, where he just hit stingers all over the course. Uh, and that's when it, you know, it, it you know, shades of of Tiger with oh, Rory McIlroy on Sunday with that run. with that two iron that he hit on eighteen. That was a Tiger Woods like shot to win the Scottish Open just last week. So Rory is a guy a guy you have to think about playing really good golf in good form. They'll tee off on Thursday, but it's really Wednesday overnight. So get your picks in at hornfm.com. Appreciate our so friends. So the kid McIntyre will believe. I wonder if he's if he'll play. Or he that those surroundings look pretty good to him. Kind of natural swing that he has. Yeah, I like that the uh, PGA Tour and the DP World Tour have gotten together to make that Scottish Open a bigger event. I do too, because those guys get to get over there, get on the time clock, uh, get their bodies right, and get a you know a week of links golf under their belt and uh, be more prepared for what's to and come. And the live guys will be back again. Oh yeah, I believe. I believe they're allowed or, or to play is it in the, the Open. It says I, no. I, they I think can't they're not play. allowed. Why would they not be allowed to play in the Open? Because they left it for live. I think. Uh, yeah, I think the Open says no. Right. Well, let me look. Is into that a that. PGA event? Is that the deal? No, PGA. It's on put on by the Royal and Ancient Club. The R and A. They've got their on. own rules over there. Yeah, they make their own rules. The R and A runs just like the USGA runs the U.S. Open. PGA PGA of America runs PGA Championship. Augusta National runs the Masters. Because you'd have to All be thinking about the majors are Kep- run by. You'd have to be thinking about Kepka, of course. Well, you'd have to, but I, I don't. I don't. I, don't, I got. To, I should know that on a Tuesday morning. I do not. Yeah, they'll be allowed to play. Are they allowed to play? As of February twenty first, twenty twenty three. Mark, there. Market.com. Yeah, it's the Ryder Cup that they're not allowed to play on. It's the Ryder yeah, Cup. Yeah, and this is a this is big for the Ryder Cup points right here. Yes. It's the Ryder Cup that they've been told no uh, by Europe okay. and uh, the European team. But uh, all right, so that's uh, golf. Get there, get signed up. That'll be fun into the weekend. Always good to have the morning golf, just like we've had two weekends in a row now with Scotland and now over there in Liverpool, Royal Liverpool is where they'll play that, teeing off on Thursday morning. Uh, we've also got Big 12, uh, Big 12 conversation, SEC Media Day conversation, and NFL. Let's get to the news. Your trending topics, including uh, franchise tag, long-term deadline day, came and went, and no deals done. UBO Business Services brings it to you. Yeah, we'll start in the NFL. Yesterday's deadline for franchise tag players to agree to long-term contracts came and went without deals for the three running backs. Saquon Barkley of the Giants, Josh Jacobs in Vegas, and Tony Pollard of the Cowboys. Barkley and Jacobs already plan to skip training camp when they open next week, and they will not be fined. Can't be. They haven't signed their franchise tag tender yet. Tony Pollard has signed his, and he is expected to be with the Cowboys when they open up camp in Oxnard, California. College football, plenty of change and transition in the big money era of college athletics year by year, but that change has now officially again come to the Texas OU game, the annual football rivalry. Official award yesterday from both schools at the October matchup at the Cotton Bowl is now going to be billed and called the All-State Red River Rivalry. Originally and traditionally dubbed the Red River Shootout, it's had different incarnations. Now a new sponsor, new brand. Uh, for this year's game and beyond. October 7th will be the final meeting of those two schools as members of the Big 12 Conference. It'll become an annual SEC rivalry game starting in 2024. And yesterday, open SEC media days in Nashville, uh, League Commissioner Greg Sankey made news and announcing that next year's week-long SEC media event will be held in downtown Dallas in mid-July of 2024. Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M, one of three teams featured on day one in Nashville yesterday, along with LSU and Missouri. Fisher, of course, fielded plenty of questions concerning last year's 5-7 and seven finish and an offense that was 
101st out of 131 teams in points per game. Fisher hired uh, former Arkansas, Louisville, and Atlanta Falcons head coach Bobby Petrino to take over play calling from Fisher, or did he? Here's Fisher still ambiguous on who was in charge of the offense in Aggieland. We feel very comfortable what we're doing, how we're doing it. I mean, we're not going to get in on it. I mean, the scheme, the schematics, I'm not going to sit there and tell you what we're going to do. Uh, but at the same time, say people don't realize he and I were friends a long time ago. We, we, we've had a great admiration for each other and what we've done and how we've done things. He studied us. We studied him. Day two of SEC Media Days today featuring Auburn, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and the two-time defending champion, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, to the night in baseball game, one of that marquee midseason matchup between the top two teams in the American League went to the Texas Rangers last night in Arlington. They topped Tampa 3-2. to Araldis Chapman earned his first win since being traded to Texas. He tossed a scoreless top of the ninth, and then the Rangers plated the game-winning run in the bottom on a wild pitch that allowed runner, you know, pinch runner Josh Smith to scamper home. Game two tonight, Nathan Eovaldi will make his first start since the All-Star Game appearance facing Taj Bradley. Astros took the night off. They open a series in Colorado tonight. Red Hot Round Rock Express will open their latest home stand at Dell Diamond. They're going to host Reno 7.05 tonight. Another highlight moment for Shohei Otani last night in the Bra- in the, uh, Anaheim uh, where the game's best player launched a two-run homer in the seventh inning of the Angels series opener with the New York Yankees. That tied the game at three. Halos went on to win the game 4-3 in 10 innings. That's Otani's big league leading 35th long ball of the year. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Jimbo sounds like the guy that says, you know, I know you're looking for a three-bedroom, but listen, that office space over there would make a nice bedroom for you. You know, we just do some changes here or there. It'll be your third bedroom. Everything's good. Buy this house. Okay, coach. Yeah. Sounds good. But it's just not big enough. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll move the closet. We'll do some things with the closet, give you a little extra space in there for the next bedroom. It's going to make make a nice, nice extra room for you. Okay, I'm buying. Uh, well, we'll see. Let's go get your popcorn ready. Uh, they do have offensive talent, and, you know, it should be better. I think last year's problems were – Quarterback driven at some level that they didn't really have a quarterback settled on. Well, they missed their running back. They're gonna they don't have to miss. A chain was a big play waiting to happen. A chain was a problem for any defense. But and that's the thing Aggie fans would tell you. He just didn't. They didn't utilize the weapons enough. They weren't explosive enough. They weren't. You know, they're stodgy offensively and seemingly the lack of creativity. Slow. Yeah. Slow moving. Yeah. Just, yeah. Receivers. Kind of methodical. Kind of like it, Tom Herman's offenses at times where you would see you know receivers would catch the ball standing still. There was no fly right. motion and free motion. There was no tempo. Uh, they just seem to get be no flow, and that's how you you go to get 101st out of 131 teams in points. You, I mean, in college football today, you average 21 points a game. Is that's there it? a guarantee that Weekman even starts? Isn't Max Johnson like pushing? Well, I mean, I think if it, I, I would say this, if if Weekman doesn't start, then that would indicate a problem to me because Max Johnson, the LSU transfer, son of Brad Johnson, we know what he is. I mean, he's a good player. Yes, and good by, backup. And by all accounts, he had a, a nice spring. But this is this Weekman's the five star kid. This is the guy that you know. Elite eleven guy that uh, you know should be able to make every throw and be the higher ceiling player in that offense to get guys involved like Evan Stewart and Muhammad and uh, you know uh, Aeneas Smith and, and these 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 receivers. Uh, so again, even if they were even coming out of spring, I think you go with the younger player and that Mac John Max Johnson becomes a really high end capable backup player yep. uh, that you feel really good about. And you know Haynes King has moved on, but he was there last year. And he wasn't very accurate. He wasn't a very good quarterback. Uh, so that experiment, I think, has ended. But, yeah, it's those two guys. They'll compete for it. And that's where it's going to be get your popcorn ready because, Jimbo, I don't know, when does he commit to a quarterback? You know, that, that question about who's calling the plays and how's it going with Bobby Petrino will be an ongoing conversation in the training camp for them in August. 
Uh, but again, it's got to be better. It's got to be better. You can't compete in major college football today averaging you know, three touchdowns a game. It's got to be better offensively. And that's... I just don't know why you don't just say it. I mean, you're the head coach. You're fine. Well, maybe. Don't, let, don't let that hurt you. You're all right. Got a bunch of money in the bank, too. Yeah, you do. And it's year six for you, Jimbo. Year six. You, you shouldn't be bottoming it out at five and seven in year... Remember, not just five and seven. They had a six-game losing streak during the season, which is the longest streak in that program since I've been alive. 1972, the last time they had a a six-game losing streak. That was Emery Ballard. Emery wow. Ballard was the coach. So, yes, that is that is not ideal. And Texas had their longest losing streak, what, two years ago? And right, and that was that was Steve Sarkeesian's first year, right? And that was the only reason that was even close to acceptable was that was year one and Sark was rooting out guys that didn't want to be there and all that, and they had a five-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. But even for many of those who would say that is not acceptable. That was, yeah. Not acceptable, five and seven. Uh, but it was a pretty major transition from one philosophy to another, from Tom Herman to Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, they were changing things, and Sark was going to install his offense and his his ideas one time to build his culture. It, it, but it's much more acceptable than five and seven after year five. I would think after so. you've been there for, for two, that kind, for that two kind of recruiting money. cycles, coming off the best recruiting cycle that yeah, your the, school has ever had, with the number one recruiting class in the nation ever. Yeah, that that gosh, that's a different. Yeah, when does that talent outweigh the coaching? Because they've come. I mean, they've well, had half those three guys or are four. Gone. No, they didn't lose a ton of those guys, the top end guys. They did they not have three or they, four they had a couple straight, of them. unbelievable top five they did. classes? That's right, and that's the other part. They had the number one recruiting class last year uh, by far. They lost a few of those players, but they retained plenty of them. They were all, remember, they had like eight five-stars oh, yeah. uh, in that recruiting class. They didn't all leave. Uh, a lot of those guys are still there. They lost a couple of them. There was some attrition. Uh, and you're right. I mean, it wasn't just last year. That class, it was the previous two sure. were really strong recruiting classes. So there's talent there. There, there, ha- there has to be. I mean, you, you can't recruit that to that level of player. They didn't run all those guys off. Um, so, I mean, and all those guys didn't decide to leave. There were a couple. There were there were reports that Evan Stewart, the receiver, one was going to leave. Well, he didn't. He's still there. That's right. He's still there. Um, you know, Muhammad, the receiver, Mushin Muhammad's kid. I mean, he's an all-SEC player in the preseason. If Connor Wiegman is as advertised and the offensive line is improved, they should be able to be a pretty dynamic passing game with Aeneas Smith. And find they one. got secondary guys back. They should be pretty good. Yeah, linebacker, I think, is their big. Their D line should be stacked. Because remember, when they had that that incredible recruiting hall, it was the greatest D line recruitment ever. Well, that should be good. <laughs> that should still be a good unit. Your secondary should be athletic. The question they have is it linebacker. I think there are mm-hmm. some holes there. But again, this isn't this isn't a five and seven team talent wise. That was a that was a wheels came off year. The question is, can Bobby can Jimbo Fisher get it back online, and how much? assistance can Bobby Petrino provide to bring the offense into a, a an offense? And again, as our man CB on the text line pointed out, coaching at Missouri State last year, Jim, Jim Bobby Petrino's offense averaged 27 points. So it wasn't like it was all that much better than the 22 that uh, Jimbo Fisher's team averaged. But, but they go fast. But they go tempo. They, uh, it says, how hot is Jimbo's seat? It's very hot. I mean, I do believe if they go anywhere close to 500 this year. Oh, boy. They'll they'll ante up the money and they'll buy him out, knowing that Texas and Oklahoma are entering the conference. Yeah, and you're about to have that rivalry I mean, going after again. After six full years, you know he's not the guy. I would say so. Yes. Uh, and look, I mean, you. And you, I was really surprised that he lasted. He came back again. But that buyout, because remember, they had just extended him. They had just extended him. They and got close to a hundred, didn't it? Yeah, the the buyout was ninety million dollars or so. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> 
so, but you know, it'll still be a huge buyout if they come after this year. But you know, they're planning on being a better football team. And I don't know what the number is. Aggie fans would be able to tell better. Like, is it eight wins? Is they go eight and four? Is that good enough? Uh, say, say they do fire him. I'd love to see him go to Alabama and coach with Saban. Oh. I think that'd be must-watch television. No, that'd never happen after I, what I, went I on probably last wouldn't summer. happen. But that, I, whatever happened last spring, that never happens. Uh, that I never would happened. pray that it would, though. That would be awesome. For Jimbo Fisher, you just count that money and settle and, uh, it on your ranch. Head on to Colorado settle. somewhere. <laughs> he's got a big ranch in, in oh, he's got Texas a few, there. Yeah. He's he's invested in the property there. He's he's ready to to, to move on. And he doesn't have, he's he has a clause in his contract where he gets paid out no matter like if he takes another job and instantly oh. after getting fired, right? That was the big yeah the big, big wow. deal with him. Yeah, I remember he got that new extension because they had a nice season and they beat Alabama the one year, right? They beat the, they beat mighty Nick Saban. He became the first Nick Saban assistant coach to beat. Nick and this Saban. is the group that beat LSU last year, right? They they won that game at the end of the year. Yeah, they beat LSU uh, at home. No, LSU played in the SEC championship game um, last year. They didn't year. beat LSU last year? So. I don't believe so. Uh, but, I thought that was one of their victories last year. Well, it would have been at the end of the year. Um, That's the last game. But uh, So 5-7 and seven was their record one year ago, and uh, here we go. Let me uh, mention this in our coach's corner here just every morning, just past 7.15. Uh, here was the, the pointed comments. You know, yesterday I watched um, on the SEC Network most of the, of the uh, Greg Sankey you know, press conference and uh, his introduction and welcome to SEC Media Days to everybody. And, you know, he, he broke the news that the Media Days will be in Dallas next year. He got a nice tribute to Mike Leach, uh, the late coach at, at Mississippi State, which which was very nice. And then, you know, but his, his strongest words, and I think the longest part of his comments, were about the NIL situation and where it stands. And he was unequivocal. And, um, you know, he... He pulled no punches about the new bill that has gone into effect here in Texas. There's also one he referenced in New York and some other states. And uh, the way he said it, he said, student athletes deserve something better than a race to the bottom at the state legislature level. And state laws like the new bill in Texas are an ongoing problem that they have identified as the exact wrong way to go about permitting student athletes to engage in name, image, and likeness activity. And, you know, race to the bottom, you know, he, he says, and again, this is about uniformity, it's also, he says, look, I'm not trying to take any opportunity away from our student athletes, but they deserve better than this this law. We 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 aren't we're better than this. He kept saying about you know trying to gain edges at a state legislature level, um, and this wasn't the spirit of what this name, image, and likeness idea is all about. Uh, he now look the the current Texas strategy with NIL. You know they have not yet. Texas is not is not announced that they're going to link. Longhorn Foundation loyalty points to name, mm-hmm. image, and likeness donations. But now, because again, if you if you're if you're in the Longhorn Foundation and you give your money right now, right, you have access to better season tickets, you have access to better OU tickets, you have access to better parking, and all those privileges that come with the more you spend and donate to the foundation. Right. The new law in Texas, House Bill twenty eight oh four, allows under state law that universities like Texas can link those. If you designate money to the Longhorn Foundation, but you want to uh, identify it as going to the uh, Texas One Fund, then it, you know they can, you can do that. Uh, you can do that, and it also will accrue those loyalty points and benefits that come with it, which is only allowed in Texas, right? It's a law in Texas that that wouldn't be allowed in Alabama or you know Louisiana or other states at this point. Uh, now Texas has not 
announced that they're taking advantage of that. They have not told Longhorn Foundation members or any Longhorn donors that we're going to reward you for, for Texas One Fund donations or things linked to the Texas One Fund. But A&M has. Texas A&M has already gone there. Uh, they, they are using the 12th Man Plus Fund to allow Aggie donors to earn loyalty points with that foundation for NIL donations, which is, again, they're staring down the NCAA here. They're saying, you know, because, again, Greg Sankey reiterated yesterday, we still expect and encourage our schools to abide by NCAA bylaws and rules, not any in-state rules that are different than the NCAA's rules. A&M has elected to go there, at least as it says here in this story I'm reading from On3Sports. Uh, Texas has not yet gone there. Uh, they And, you know, there's been indication from uh, Chris Del Conte that they're going to keep it as is and follow the NCAA guidelines. Because remember, the, the week that that law went into effect in early July, the NCAA sent a memo to all the schools saying, hey, we don't care what your state laws are changing to. We still expect you to follow these rules uh, that, that we, you know, play under. And, again, it, it appears A&M is going to go ahead and, and dare. Because they can. The NCAA. Uh, Texas has not gone there, and I don't know that any other school. Because again, TCU could do this. You know, all the schools in Texas Tech, if they wanted to, you're right. All those schools could, but as it stands now, uh, A&M has gone there with the 12th man plus. Texas has not. Now Sankey's not alone in criticizing these type of laws. Big 12 Commissioner Brett Yormark said just last week in Arlington that same thing. He he expects his membership schools to adhere to NCAA policy, not the policy created by local lawmakers, and that would be specifically to Texas, TCU, Baylor, Houston, Texas Tech, the schools in the Big 12 who play in Texas versus the schools who don't. So the ongoing battle. Now, again, Greg Sankey also said, hey, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we probably all need to get on board with an idea of some type of federal legislation and oversight that would unify all of this. So we're all playing not just under the same NCAA guidelines, but a federal rule, a national rule that applies to all schools. We'll see if we get there at some point. But as of now, it's still state by state. And uh, Greg Sankey was pretty queer, clear on his... Uh, and they can do it at any time because you're allowed to do it. Yeah. Now, you're allowed to in Texas, but that doesn't mean the NCAA can't come in and mm. try to assert some authority, which I don't know that they have. Uh, I don't know that they have. I don't think they want a piece of that action. So we'll see. I mean, the Aggies are kind of daring them to do something. Like, again, the, the NCAA just hammered Tennessee for recruiting violations over the weekend. Hammered, uh, in quotes. Eight-year... And they find them $8 million. They have to vacate their wins. And there weren't many wins, yeah, by the way, in 2018. There's like two years. Is it two years of wins? 2018 and 19. Wow. Uh, there weren't a lot of wins in those years. No. But they have to vacate those. Uh, they also have – they didn't get a bowl ban. They didn't get a postseason ban at Tennessee for Josh Eight Eiple. $8 million. $8 million fine. And they did get scholarship losses. I think they lost they – were t- they were docked 28 scholarships. That's not all in one cycle. That's over the course of their five years of probation. I think is how that's going to work from the NCAA. So it's not like the NCAA is not out there still trying to somewhat police the system. And that goes back to infractions under the Jeremy Pruitt years at Tennessee. Josh Heupel, the new head coach, now having to deal with that uh, with what appears to be a rising program at Tennessee. They had a really good year last year, and if Hendon Hooker didn't get hurt, who knows where they could have landed uh, with the Volunteers. So there's some college football, SEC Media Days Day 2. Obviously, you can expect and anticipate to see a lot of Georgia Bulldog conversation today because the two-time defending national champs with Kirby Smart will roll into Nashville along with Vanderbilt and Auburn and Mississippi State. And uh, so if you're watching ESPN. They'll be asking him, how does it feel beating your boss up, the old boss? Oh, yeah. And there's been some off-field stuff for Georgia this offseason as far as – 
some some they're talking negative about speeding. Story. They've 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 got a well players check. in trouble. Yeah. Players in trouble, and there's been some allegations of them covering up some incidents of, uh, of of assault. And so again, those will be asked. But Kirby Smart, I think it's going to be mostly, you know, who replaces Stetson Bennett? How good can you be? Because your one to eighty five roster is still likely the most talented in America. You just have to find a quarterback. Um, because remember, they're, and Georgia's bringing back Ladd McConkey, their leading receiver. They're bringing back Brock Bowers, the best tight end in the country. Wow. That huge offensive line. Their defense is not going to slide very far with all the talent that they have there. Because you know, this is just recruiting class on top of recruiting class with the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll be back. There's your coach's corner. There's uh, good stuff with Greg Sankey. Uh, next August, next uh, July, we hope to be up there covering uh, SEC Media Days in downtown Dallas, Omni Hotel. That's where it's going to be. B&E. Appreciate everybody on the Specs text line reminding us, yes, indeed, A&M did beat LSU last year in College Station at the end of the year. And if somebody text on the text line said, Brian Kelly blanked the bed. <laughs> um, yes, that was part of... Uh, wow. Because they played right after that for a championship still, right? Yeah, they had already clinched it. Because remember, Alabama yep. and they were both two lost conference teams. And LSU beat Alabama 32-31 in that thriller in Baton Rouge. So even with the loss to A&M in College Station, 38-23, um, LSU represented the West in the championship and got smoked by Georgia. And then they throttled, what, Purdue in the uh, bowl game, 63-7. to mm-hmm. LSU did. So they finished with, uh, uh, you know, the, the early loss LSU did to Florida State. Remember that, that Labor Day wow, game, 24-23, which was just a bizarro world game. But they got on a hot streak there and – you know, beat Auburn. You know, beat Florida that last year. Beat won that Alabama game. They did get crushed by Tennessee. They did get. They got crushed at home. That was them. their worst performance. And that and again, the LSU game or the A and M game. And the A and M game uh, that they lost is why, you know, despite five and seven, because obviously if LSU had, you know, beaten A and M, that would have been a you know four and eight season for Bobby for Jimbo Fisher. Uh, but they won that game, and the quarterback Connor Wiegman played pretty well. Uh, so that's get gives when they. So scored, everybody started worrying. How do you beat this team? Yeah, and they scored 38 points in that game, 14 in the fourth. So, you know, again, there's there's optimism for A&M. And I think, you know, I sent you a piece of audio there, Ty, uh, that, you know, Brian Kelly, yeah, look, even though they lost that game to A&M and they finished with, what, four losses, uh, they still played for the championship. Mm-hmm. He admitted yesterday, we're not where Georgia is. We we found that out on the field. Georgia beat them 50-30 to 30 in the SEC title game, and I don't think it was that close. You're kidding, brother. Uh, but no one is on I mean, ask TCU just how good Georgia is when they want to play, and they're really bringing it. Ohio State gave them their best game last year. Uh, let's hear from uh, Brian Kelly uh, yesterday. He there, he was there along with the LSU players and Jimbo Fisher and A and M and Missouri. And here's Brian Kelly headed into year two, feeling like they're heading in the right direction. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I know that based upon how we've recruited and how we'll continue to recruit, um, that we'll have... Um, a football roster that that will be able to compete against Georgia. Is that right now? No, it's not. But 
if we continue to do what we're doing, we're going to have a roster that can compete against Georgia, and then it's just a matter of getting it done on, on, the, on the playing field so everybody then can assess they've closed the gap. All right, so uh, another step forward, but everybody's chasing Georgia right now. For sure. Uh, in Nick Saban football. chasing Georgia. Nick Saban chasing Georgia. We're going to have to get closer to the season. We'll have to pull out that David Pollock smack talk at oh, Nick Saban God. last year in the championship game when they were sitting there and Jimbo Fisher, excuse me, and uh, Nick Saban was a, was a special guest analyst of that national championship game, and David Pollock really let him have it. Now, David Pollock has been part of the uh, cutbacks at ESPN now, so Pollock no longer at ESPN. But yeah, he was he was a proud Georgia Bulldog. Where was he ever? Staring down Nick Saban, saying, "You know who you're chasing now? Who's, who's your daddy? Your, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your daddy?" Yeah, Kirby Smart has flipped it, and uh, they are the favorites again coming in. Now the question for for Florida, for Georgia today at SEC Media Days is, you know, are they, is there a rival picking up for them in the East? Right? Can Tennessee continue that rise with Josh Heupel, and they can become a real threat to Georgia in the East? Because man, this is the last year with divisions. So next year won't we'll be able to if they keep cheating and losing scholarships. Yeah, Florida with Billy Napier in year two. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people look at that South Carolina team and think, "Watch out for Shane Beamer's team and Spencer Rattler." Uh, that they it is seventh year. I think they. I think South Carolina finished uh, eight and four last year and finished strong. And uh, Shane Beamer is a dynamic young coach, and they'll go last day. They'll go last day on Thursday. That that South Carolina team, but yeah, and Kentucky can go back to being Kentucky now without the quarterback. Will Levis has moved on, but Mark Stoops will still have a hard-nosed team. Oh, they'll play good D. You know that. And, you know, what is Arkansas this year? And they're, they're in the West, of course, but um, what what is Sam Pittman, right? They they seem to be on the coming, and last year I felt like slid back a little bit. But they um, still love them some Sam Pittman, don't they? They do. They do. I think they they found they feel like they found their guy. Is K.J. Jefferson still their quarterback, too? I think so. Yes, I think he he's is. there again. Yes, he is. Uh, at Arkansas. So looking forward to more Big 12 football media days. I don't know what to make of Elia Drinkwitz, the head coach of Missouri. Uh, I watched a little bit of him yesterday, or at least the highlights of him. And, you know, I couldn't have picked Elia Drinkwitz out of a lineup before that. If you put all the coaches up and said, who's, I didn't even know if Missouri was still playing Who's football? the Missouri coach? Well, you know who's going to be mad at me if he's listening is Bob Ballou. Bob Ballou is a proud, our friend CBS Austin, proud Bob Tiger, Ballou. Oh, yeah, he's a proud Missouri Tiger. Missouri has a great journalism school, by the way, and news broadcasting school. If you ever want to be a news broadcaster, sports broadcaster, journalist, Missouri's strong, very strong with their department. Or I could go to Northwestern. Or, you or, go or, Texas Sy- State. or Syracuse or Texas State like Ty. So, there you go. There's Texas State. I do there. know this. I don't know about Texas State's program, but I do know where my, my daughter goes to North Texas, and they have a very strong yep. communications major and degree plan. But Missouri among them. Because Missouri owns their own television station. Like the school has its own – School, you know, college TV station where a lot of those guys, those people like Bob and ladies, they work. They work there and they learn how to be in TV. How to communicate. Yeah, how to do it right. Um, but yes, sorry, Bob. I, I couldn't have picked Elijah. Is it Elijah Drinkwitz? Elijah. Uh, no, it's not Elijah. It's, it's Elijah. It's Elijah. He's Drinkowitz. the head coach of Missouri. Who guessed it? Who would have known? And we should also tell you that Mississippi State has a new head coach and that's Zach Arnett. If you're, and that's obviously in the wake of the tragedy and, and death of Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was at SEC Media Days. I remember last year, Mike Leach was just comic relief for everybody. Because oh everybody went to that SEC Media Days last year with the Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher feud. That's right. Fresh. They were ready. Everybody was ready. For and everybody some, was ready for like a cage fight. They were ready for some comedy, and they got it with Mike. <laughs> kind of the, uh, the Zuckerberg-Elon Musk cage match was the expectation, and they both 
you know, cooler heads prevailed. But it was Mike Leach who got into the the overrated necktie conversation and got into uh, you know movies he's watched and TV Talking shows. Talking about his shorts and, again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike Leach just turns it into just comedy relief, and we miss Mike Leach. He was a treasure. He, he was great. He was a national. But he explained about his cargo shorts. Or could get his hand down there. Oh, cargo <laughs> shorts. His, he could get his hand in his pocket. Well, and, get down there and move things around. And credit to uh, credit to Greg Sankey. He he wore no necktie yesterday. He did that. That was in tribute to Mike Leach. Nice, because you know, because remember Mike Leach was there with his tie on, and he went up up to Greg Sankey and said, "Why do I got to wear this thing? These these things are the most overrated neckties." I mean, and then he went on this whole rant, which is pretty good. Um, Oh, it's it's Eli. Okay, so it's Eli Drinkwitz. Craig Way is letting me know on the text Eli. line, but it's spelled E I L A H, but it's just pronounced Eli. Uh, so it looks like Eliah. But there we go. That's uh, that was yesterday. That's the rearview mirror time. Now it's time for Auburn, Georgia, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. And uh, news from Vanderbilt yesterday: Clark Lee, their head coach, has got a new three-year contract extension, so he will be uh, able to talk about that today. Uh, but Georgia obviously will be the center. Of- and out the election, the, the collection plate. That group. Coming up, Hot or Not with T.Y. Things we've missed halfway through this uh, Tuesday edition. Did you see the uh, Shohei Otani bat flip last night? That was something. He had uh, some revolutions on that, did he? Probably five. You think so? I think probably four and a half to five. And his manager, Phil Nevin, said after, that's the most emotion I've ever seen Shohei give after. Oh, uh, beating the Yankees, of course. I know. Sticking well, and it wasn't Yankees. a terrible pitch by the pitcher for the Yankees. It was kind of outside, but it was, it was up a little bit. But it was a you good. Know what the easy pitch would have been to say to point to first Walk base. Him. There you go, going yeah, a, down it, there. Yeah, seventh inning, three-one game. Yankees lead it, and uh, Shohei delivers a two-run bomb to tie the game. They go on to win it four to three. And yeah, there was a there was a serious bat flip. Uh, and this guy is on some kind of pace. I mean, the Astros took two out of three from the Angels over the weekend in those that crazy series uh, with all the runs after the seventh inning. But it wasn't because of Shohei Otani. I mean, he. He pitched, but they, you know, he pitched in that first game, and his blister fired back up, so he didn't wasn't as effective on the mound. But he still hit home runs on Saturday and Sunday. Was part of that big thirteen twelve win on Saturday. He's on pace now for 70, 60 home runs. Buddy. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't think there could be more Shohei Otani conversation and hype, he's now on pace for sixty uh, with thirty five home runs on July the eighteenth, and he's he's hitting them in bunches now. And if you, because the thing is, if you go back to the year for Shohei Otani, offensively, his April and May were okay. He had the greatest June, arguably, of all time, uh, on statistically, uh, hitting and pitching. And hitting, he was unbelievable. He had more home runs than any player ever has in that month. And now he's picked right up after the All Star break and is at 35. And it feels like he can just keep pouring them. And the question becomes for Shohei, are they going to trade him? I mean, are they going to trade him? They're, they're a game under 500. They still have plenty of issues, including a Mike Trout injury that's still a month, maybe longer away. Because remember, when Mike Trout's able to come back and start swinging a bat, he's going to go do a minor league rehab for a couple weeks. You still have to add that to the back end of when the injury is healed. And you know, every every night they play and every game they lose, they get further, you know, away from where they want to be. Now, the owner Artie Moreno on record saying, through Bob Nightingale, um, the great baseball reporter on the West Coast saying that if we're in contention for the wild card, we will not trade Shohei. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if we get – we're two weeks out. August 1st is the deadline. And remember now, in baseball, there's no longer a second deadline, right? There used to be the non-waiver trade deadline. It's just one and done. One and done. I mean, you got to have your trades made by August 1st, and, and there are no more trades. So, you know, if you're the Angels, you're on a deadline knowing that 
if you don't make the playoffs or even if you make the wild card and you lose one game in a wild card scenario and you're out, that might be, that's likely it for you with Shohei Otani. And, gosh, I got, I got to think the general manager who's in charge of building the organization is going to push to trade him because I don't, I mean, you don't watch that Angels team and say that's a, that's a World Series caliber team. Uh, they're just not. They have too many holes in their pitching staff. They have too many holes around he and Mike Trout. And Mike Trout's not even playing right now. So um, and he's probably can, not going to leave the West Coast. But the challenge is, if you know, can you really restock your farm system for a, for a three month rental for a team like the Rangers? I talk about. They have the, the the ammo to go do it, but how much do they feel like they have to give up to give up a guy they may only have for three months? Now, if you're the Rangers, you think we could win the World Series if we had Shohei Ohtani to our team? Then worth it. Probably worth it. And it's probably worth three or four of your top prospects to bring in. And, and then you give yourself a, a puncher's chance of maybe re-signing him when the season is oh, over. He, he enjoys to, his time. He's talking about winning, winning, winning. You yeah. win the World Series. Right. I mean, that Then would, you really got a chance to get him back. I know most, most everybody believe he wants to be on the West Coast and play for the Dodgers or the Giants or, San, or Seattle even with the all-star game chance of coming to Seattle. But if, you go, if, you're, if, the, if the Rangers were to get aggressive and go get him and they win the World Series and he enjoys his run – you know, it's not out of the question now. Do the Rangers ownership want to go there and spend six or seven hundred million dollars for what it's going to be to cost the, to sign a, a top flight pitcher and hitter all in one package? That becomes the debate, and that, that will just be, cost you a billion. Yeah, the raging stories will pick up here in the coming days. NFL training camps opening with the Jets beginning Wednesday, and that Shohei Otani story will not go away through August first. Now, if he's still an Angel after August first, then it goes away because they can't trade him at that point, and then it won't pick back up until the end of the season when he's a free agent. And then the sweepstakes will be on for the, not just the best player in baseball, maybe the best baseball player that's ever played baseball. That's also needs to be said about Shohei Otani. There, there, it's a, there's a very strong argument that no one has ever played that game. Like that. Like that, uh, at a higher level than he is. Um, you know, the Babe Ruth stuff, he's lapped the Babe Ruth comparisons long ago in his two and a half years or three years as a, as a major leaguer. And it's now, who's better? And, and now what if he chases 60 down, Buck? What if he goes Aaron Judge here? And starts chasing 60. He's got a good chance. I mean, ridiculous. Ridic. Uh, all right, we'll come back. Uh, it'll be T.Y. leading us through some hot or not topics. Those are things we've missed halfway through the show because that's where we'll be at the top of this hour, halfway through our four hours of fun here on the show of the people. Uh, more to do from SEC Media Days. Plenty of college football, the baseball, and you on 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming always on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. What's hot? And what's not? What's hot? What's not? Is brought to you by Texas Orthopedics, the largest independent orthopedic practice in Central Texas. Visit us at txortho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment. Never too early to have a good Dak Prescott debate in the NFL, but Dak Prescott uh, on record yesterday lit up the uh, Twitterverse and social media by saying and making the claim, "I will not throw ten interceptions in 2023." I will not throw 10 interceptions in 2023. He'll throw 20. <laughs> There's Ty. Now, in context, Dak Prescott led the NFL in uh, interception re- in interceptions last year and in, in interception rate. Because remember, he missed five games. when he played 12 games, and he threw 15. So Dak- and, and interception with guys bobbling the ball all around. Yeah, Dak Prescott threw. volleyball with The it. numbers would tell you that last year, Dak threw an interception every four, 4% of, on 4% of his dropbacks. I'm going to say he's going to have many. 10 again. Would I'm not going to go over. So let's take Dak's words, 10. Would you take the over or under? I would take 10 right on the number. Over. Over. Now, part of this is that Dak 
you watch the film, to your point, probably of those interceptions, those 15 interceptions Dak threw, the two in the playoff game were the the most critical, right? Oh, yeah. Those came in the playoffs, not the regular season. And those were huge against the 49ers, took points off the board and the one at the end of the ball game uh, when the Cowboys had a chance to go win the game in San Francisco. But of those 15 interceptions, six of them at least were tip balls off of receivers' hands. I would agree, yeah. I mean, those guys trying to catch with their feet. There were two, if you go back to the Green Bay game at Lambeau Field, that the receiver ran the wrong route. That, you know, you're able to clearly see that Dak threw it where it was supposed to be and the receiver wasn't where he was supposed to be. So, again, uh, you know, Ty, where are you taking the over under 10? Definitely the over. (laughs) Definitely the over. Now, there's also the argument that Dak Prescott will throw fewer passes this year because Mike McCarthy wants to get back to a run. Is he going to play all 17 games? Well, that's what we don't know. He hasn't in a little while. Of course, a couple years ago. Because there's a year where he only had four interceptions that keep people citing. Well, he only played five games that year. (laughs) He got hurt. His ankle went the wrong way. And then he broke his thumb last year and missed five games. Uh, but before those two big injuries, he's been as healthy as any quarterback in pro football. So, yes, you could argue last year was an outlier. Last year was throwing to guys like Noah Brown and whoever else. And they, they were bouncing off bouncing the helmets off hands. and hands, shoulder pads. He says, read my lips. No new interceptions. Dak Prescott. Well, look, if you can cut those down, Cowboys defense will win you football games. That's going to be the mindset of the Cowboys this year. There's no doubt. Let our defense. And some of those balls should have been caught on, I mean, on no bobbling around at all. Just catch it. I mean, they yeah. just hit the guys okay, there, bobbling them around. Yeah, what, was there like three of those maybe? Oh, uh, no. I got six on tape right here. There, six I mean, that were bobbled? Yeah. Hit yeah. It. There's that's, one off Noah Brown's that's chest. That's nine interceptions in 12 games. That's right. That's too many. That's too many. There's one right in the hands of 85 that was a, I intercepted mean, by the Jaguars. In their chest. Yeah. So, again, he had his mistakes, and the San Francisco game stands out as the worst of those. But, yeah, his receivers didn't do him any favors last year. And now this year they have a healthier, what they believe is Michael Gallup. They yes. have Brandon Cooks. They still need to develop a tight end. And, and they're, they're going to feature the Tony Pollard. And they're going to be a uh, old-school run-the-ball win game 17-14. Because that is what they did when Dak was hurt and went 4-1 and one with Cooper Rush as quarterback. T.Y., what would you have for us in Hot or Not? The dumpton we've missed halfway through a Tuesday edition. Well, you can't forget Zeke will also be back. Oh. So we pound the rock with him, but... Russell Okung, former NFL tackle for the Carolina Panthers, among other teams, lost six or 56 pounds in 40 days, only drinking water, no food. Can this happen. Second time he's done it this year. He lost 100 pounds the first time. Can do it. Oh, man. He's Can now happen. down to 192 pounds from 300 earlier this year. Hey, you know, it's scientifically proven if you eat less calories on a day-by-day basis, you'll lose weight. He was eating nothing. If you, go, if you live on a calorie deficit... That's where the intermittent fasting can come in. Oh, you know yeah. What I'm saying? If you eat if you eat fewer calories and consume fewer calories than your body will burn on a daily basis or you work out and burn, then you're going to lose pounds. I've been I lost fifteen pounds pretty much just drinking beer for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a diet plan. But uh there you it go. worked. This says be nice to Noah Brownie. He's now a Texan. That's right. Well Oh, that's right. You're going to miss him dropping those balls. Him and Dalton Schultz. <laughs> him and Dalton Schultz. Dalton didn't drop many, but he did run out of bounds at the end of that game in the playoff, uh, right before Zeke got blown up at center. We'll be back, Benny <laughs> on the horn.